0: Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Oh, the, I've got comedian Robin Tran on the podcast today, who is on uh, That's My Time with David Letterman. You can watch that on Netflix. But I just, this person is very funny. She's very funny. Robin made me laugh multiple times during this podcast. And if and if you know me, you know I don't laugh at nothing. Because I trained myself not to. That's part of being a stand-up comic. You have to welcome misery. Life. Okay, look, speaking of jokes, I'm going to be in New York the 11th through 13th of August. I will be in Nashville the 14th of August. I will be in Austin the 20th, Denver the 21st for two shows, and then I will be here in Los Angeles on the 23rd. That's what I'm doing in August. What are you doing in August? Are you coming to those shows? Please. CameronEsposito.com for tickets. Or you're like, I can't make it to those shows because I don't live in New York or Nashville or Denver or Austin or Los Angeles. Well, great news. You can go to patreoncom heyqueiros and you can donate to support this show. Well, it's I think they call it like patronize. Anyway, that's why it's called Patreon, I think. Anyway, patreoncom heyqueiros and uh love you. Enjoy. have guests introduce themselves would you introduce yourself
1: oh sure hi everyone i am robin tran um since this is audio i always have to specify that i'm transgender um otherwise people wonder why a white guy is talking about being an asian trans woman so i'm robin tran um this is the intro that uh by the way i'm really bad at the most the simplest like please introduce yourself you know like that's what throws me off the most like i once had a job interview and the first question was like tell me something about yourself and i said i'm really neurotic and i am get insecure <laughs> i, I got to so anyway. say though
0: robin you you're charming like i was i was initially and immediately disarmed by your uh, by your charm
1: oh so- thank you i had a yeah i had a high school teacher uh and she she was really um she really like saw the future she said uh she said I was it was like in 12th grade. I was failing her class. I think I was getting like an F. But it was like journalism. And I said to her, like, are you worried about my future? You know, because, you know, And she goes like, oh, you're just going to charm your way through life. It's fine. Oh, wow. An F. So so I think that kind of motivated me to uh, charm my way through life with the, the most minimal effort that I can't possible. So,
0: so. I want to ask you a question it's about the way you you specified that your voice might not sound like your identity. Is this is. I'm assuming this is based on feedback
1: that you've received. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's feedback, but also like I have an ear, and I think (laughs) you know. (laughs) I mean, I think the thing is is that like I mean I've gotten feedback, and I mean if you want to call YouTube comments that are not kind uh, feedback, but I I think um, I I think for a long time, like on some subconscious level, I knew that uh, talking a certain way would get you get people to listen to you more. So I think I kind of mimicked a white guy kind of cadence for a while. And I think it kind of just carried, you know, over to a Like when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be white, you know, because I thought like, well, white people are, are I mean, you know, people I see on TV and, and everything. And, oh, they seem to have more freedom than I do as an Asian person. And I remember I got a, a compliment Uh, that I took as a compliment, but in hindsight, it was a a racist insult, but it was like having a dinner with a bunch of, um, you know, my Vietnamese family and everything. And this white guy was there and this old white man, and he goes, "Um, you know, you you don't, you speak and you don't even have an accent. And I was like, oh my God, a white man uh, complimented me. Oh my goodness. So I think, uh, I think just like getting that compliment, you know, um, made it so I kind of just never changed the way I I talk.
0: Robin, where are you from? How do I know this? San Francisco?
1: No, is that no, where no, you I'm started from, as a
0: comic? Where did you start as a comic? Uh,
1: um in Orange County in uh Southern California. The
0: other direction. Got it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I um it's uh I mean I, I grew up in um Garden Grove, which is in Southern California, and it's like the second largest population of Vietnamese people besides Vietnam. And so, you know, just grew up really poor and everything. And um, I mean, you know, we we're right in, like there was a show, the, the OC, right? And it didn't look like where i grew up in orange county because like that was like the rich part of orange county but it was funny because like you know it'd be garden grove which is really poor and right next door it's like fountain valley which is rich and um but yeah i'd watch the oc and i was like am i in some alternate universe because i've never had this much fun you know even though they were going through horrible <laughs> things in the oc i'm like do you guys have money to have problems like this um so yeah i grew up i was at orange county uh orange county comedy scene that was 2012 is when i did my first um open mic I did a talent show in 2004, you know, which I won um, in in high school. But yeah, and then I started doing stand up in 2012 as Robert Tran, um, and uh, yeah, I started doing open mics. And then uh, 2019, I think, I started realizing like, oh, I'm getting more opportunities in Los Angeles, and the and the car rides were like an hour and a half long, two hours long, and you know, I don't like driving. So I would just take a Lyft or an Uber and it would be like eighty, ninety dollars, you know? And I was like, Man, I don't think my girlfriend can afford to keep paying eighty, ninety dollars for bike. <laughs> That's kind of a joke because I don't pay for anything. But this I is, um these are
0: funny jokes. These are funny jokes.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank God. Um yeah. So yeah, and then I moved to Los Angeles in twenty nineteen, um uh to, you know, start a career in LA and then the the pandemic happened. Like, two months later or whatever. No, not two months later, but yeah, shortly after that, the pandemic I don't
0: even know if we, have we met? Like, I know that I... No, I I don't think so. I don't think we've ever met. I just am so aware of you from, like, like I remember when I started seeing clips of you and... But yeah, I don't think we've, I think because of the timing of when you moved to L.A., maybe. Yeah. I don't even think we've ever worked together.
1: Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I always feel I, I feel like I don't really have a um, I feel like, you know, comedians usually have like a group of people that they're not like like not like an official group. But, you know, like groups, you know, like um, I, I, I don't really meet a lot of people because I, I kind of try to be like my own. I almost like an island onto myself, like I think it's better creatively to kind of keep people guessing and not really like align myself with this. You know, I think it's funny to be kind of like an outcast you know but uh because of that i don't think i've met a lot of people and I, I kind of like i kind of go and i do my set and i go home so you know it's nice talking to you now but i mean just like as an example of just like i kind of feel left out sometimes like of uh the lgbtq community it's like um like you know there was um you know the netflix is a joke festival there was a uh, an lgbtq show but i wasn't on that show i was on the you know that's my time with david letterman which is like one of the greatest greatest nights of my life but i feel like oh i'm one of those people who's like i am a comedian who happens to be trans while there are other comedians who are like this is a trans comedian and i and i always felt like i don't really feel like i belong um in in the trans community or the gay community or everything i feel like i'm like somebody who comments on it and kind of visits it and says hi and then kind of goes back into uh into hiding or whatever <laughs>
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, some of this also might be, I don't know how, this, how much this is also reflective of like the, you know, starting at a time when you had a big commute because, and then maybe the internet making things a little different. I think part of the reason that that whole like comedians are, have a crew of people that they know, in my experience anyway, that was due to like when I started, you know, the, internet wasn't really like where you wanted to be in terms of exposure you wanted to be in live rooms which just meant that mm-hmm. you were constantly out in live rooms and then without that commute um you know hitting a bunch of shows a night and so it was just like proximity constant proximity to other people and yeah. same thing for when you know when i moved to la 10 years ago it was a different it was a bit of a different vibe and um you know there wasn't really a way to be like known or kind of get your name out there um without having some um interest in hanging out. I mean, I was just talking about this on the podcast last week, I think, something like that. But that's just not true anymore. You know, you can be yeah. you can be an island in this way. Um and then be talking to David Letterman like that's totally possible. <laughs> and it's yeah, just that's yeah. just this is like a new thing. And so I I don't know that that um cohort thing i don't know that that's going to continue for like say your generation of comics or any future generations i feel like it's just gonna be a different vibe like i think the cohort is now online like it's like who you know you know like it's like who pops through your algorithm it's it's a very different thing
1: yeah i mean you know what's funny is like so you know i um you know I think it was like I've talked about this and I don't want to go too far into detail, but, you know, my depression kind of like went away in like November of 2019. And so they're at this three month period where for the first time in my life, I was going out, I was doing sets, I was doing open mics, I was kind of going out with friends and and then, you know, cause I, I couldn't get out of bed for like decades, you know? And it's for these three months, I was kind of like, I'm going to see the world. And then, cause like being at home was kind of triggering cause I couldn't leave the house. And then around February, like mid February, I was like, okay, I think I I think I kind of I get it. I get outside. I'm you not You feel right like you got that. the you got the world. You got <laughs> I it kind all got set. The gist got... And, I, and then so I <laughs> kind of just was like, "You know what? You know what? I'm going to stay home now and uh, and and see how it feels like to be home when you want to be home as opposed to you, you're home because you can't uh leave the bed." And it's a different, you know, you're, bo- you're both instances you're at home, but it's a different context. So, you know, mid-February I was like you know i'm so happy like um i can curse on this right like uh, oh sure i was like i'm so happy just shit posting and you know starting shit on the internet I've been, I've been addicted to the internet since like 1998 you know and around february i was like i'm gonna like transition over to like being part-time stand-up and part-time internet comedian i didn't know what internet comedian really meant yet but i was like i'm gonna learn how to make memes because i've always wanted to learn how to make memes so i'm like i'm gonna learn how to make memes I'm gonna learn how to make videos on my, on my iPhone and, and, and everything. And, you know, just in case something happens, you know, and then what, like three weeks later, you know, pandemic happened and I'm maybe one of the only people that went like, Oh, hell yeah. Like I can finally, like all this, all this work I've been putting in for, for weeks now. And I had like uh, years of of open mic sets and comedy sets on my phone. I record every set. I you know listed every the dates of every set, every open mic, and everyone told me for like a decade that I was crazy. I, oh, you're lazy. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be going out and you should be going up every night. And then the pandemic happens and now all the comedians that were touring are like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, oh, well, 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 how have the tables turned now? And now I have all this stuff. I have like videos and everything. And so like that was the period um, I used uh, the lockdown as an opportunity to be like, I'm going to be the funniest person on the Internet. Everyone's depressed now and I'm not depressed. We've switched roles. I feel like I kind of uh, I'm very good at being inside. So I I just started putting up TikTok videos. And then like that was like TikTok was when I started blowing up and I just put up some stand up clips and then I got like one hundred seventy five thousand followers on TikTok just during during the pandemic and uh every week I would do like TikTok live and I would just do like an hour you know like mm-hmm. I stopped doing zoom shows I was like I'm going to do TikTok live cuz it's my fans and I would just talk to them and uh, yeah and I just figured out how to be my own product um and I think that was appealing to people who were like you know in the industry like now they've taken notice of me Oh, now I'm making all this noise. Now I'm doing all this stuff. And I think it's like now I have kind of this leverage because like, okay, well, like if I somehow lose all that, I have a fan base that I've built myself. And I think that it's given me a lot of um, like security that I you know what I mean, that I like if I don't get a job or something, oh, well, I still have a fan base that I can like talk to still.
0: Yeah, you cracked the code. <laughs> Congratulations, Yeah.
1: Robin. Yeah, thank thank you. I mean I I mean I think I feel like the internet is like people still talk about it like it's a, a new thing. And it's like, you know, it's been out since like 1994 or 1995 or something. Like in me it's been around for decades, but you know, it was like pub- available to the public since like the mid-90s and it's like people are still talking about like, oh man, people were mean to me on the internet. I'm like, were you not around in 2003 and 2004? Like it was way worse. 20 years ago, like I had a joke where it's like back then you would go on LimeWire, download a a Weezer song and you open up and it's like Saddam Hussein's like public execution. You're like, this is what I downloaded. (laughs) Like, I mean, like, do you do you want to go back to that 20 years ago? Uh, It's like (laughs) it's like I've been, you know, I you know, I get hate on the Internet. I get like all these. And of course, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not in the mood to read it. But I, you know, I was I've I dealt with all that in like 2006 about people being mad at me, people saying, calling me names, like, I'm going to go and, you know, fuck your mom. And I am like, Oh, I'm going to go to your house. And I'm like, I, I already did all that like 15 years ago. So like just watching uh, comedians do it now, it's like, you should figure out the internet, like, you know, all this wishing that it's going to go away and the kids with their phones, the kids with their, it's like, you can wish it all you want. It's not going anywhere. It's like those people that were like television. Oh, tell, I don't even own a TV. You know, it's like, it's like, the it's like the new version of that. And and it was like that when TV first came out. People were watching TV. They were like, "Oh, TV that won't last. I'm going to keep watching vaudeville." And it's like, I don't know. I'm kind of going on a soapbox now, but it's like, comedians, come on! Like, I think it's like, uh, figure it out.
0: Well, I <laughs> it's think, not, I it's think like, something that's a little hard here for a lot of folks that like started in live performance is just understanding that the camera is the audience in your house because i think there's a lot of comics that like start you know understand that about television like about shooting a tv show but i i know that yeah i just i think that that's the i think that's the stumbling block and i don't think that i think that that will yeah people will either sink or swim but it's just an interesting it's just an interesting transitional time that you are out of the curve on good job
1: and i feel yeah i feel a little vindicated because i did like my second or third open mic right it was like 10 years ago and I remember telling all these guys, like, guys, we should be recording all our sets and figuring out how to go viral on the internet. We're performing for, like, nine people. like, And, and I would tell them, like, one clip going viral, you'll be seen by more people in one day than you will all year with these open mics. And they were like, no, we, we don't want to, like, oh, you're lazy. It's because you don't want to drive. Like, they called me lazy. And, I mean, in hindsight, it was just, like, uh guys that just were lonely and they didn't really want to, like stay home. They wanted to just be out with their friends and like comedy was almost like a, uh, an excuse to hang out with friends because you were lonely and you felt like it was like too gay to ask another guy to hang out.
0: I want to ask you a question about the staying home thing so and you i know you said that you didn't want to get too far into depression yeah you can talk about your choice to stay home now um and what that is like for you like what what do you mean when you say that you're comfortable staying home like what does that look like for you
1: well all of my favorite things to do are at home i I what are those things well i mean i live with my fiance so i guess and she works from home now because her office shut down for a while um and so you know, I get to hang out with her. I I like to watch TV. I like to start shit on the internet. I like to watch porn. I like to jerk off. I like to well, you know, what, you know, I like to cook and clean. And it's like I I can I can go without leaving the house uh, and not going crazy for about seven to eight months. And then around wait, what did you yeah, you said seven to like eight months. months yeah, so I think I do have a threshold. You know, some people will like, right. go crazy if they will crazy if they don't go out for like two days. And I can stay in for about eight months. And now I'll start going like, I think I should go outside for a little bit, you know. Um, when you but say I,
0: stay in for eight months, do you mean like really stay? Like, are you getting like food delivered and things like that? Like, are yeah, you really every, every, like not passing the threshold every, of your door? Every,
1: everything is delivered. And I mean, I will um, I'm exaggerating slightly, but I mean, Oh, I I will go weeks without leaving the door. Yeah, but like months. Every now and then ah. I'll like, okay, I should actually go take a walk. I mean, I'm starting to try to go on walks more because I think it's like I I am too much of a shut in. But I mean, I love being inside. I love television. I love watching professional wrestling all day. I like, I, you know what I love to do is I like to watch comedy that I liked when I was younger and I would just rewatch it because like I'm like, there's something about this that hit me and I need to figure out what it is. And so I, I deconstruct a comedy that I liked as a kid and I try to figure out the magic trick behind it. And then like, I'll rewatch the same Simpsons episodes like 50 times and I'll just like laugh at it and I'll, and I'll go like, is it cause there's a misdirection here and there and that. And so I, I like, there's a lot of cool downtime that I get to just think and create and deconstruct. And like, I, I, I think that, I think that there's not enough, Concerted thinking when it comes to to stand up, I feel like people kind of just like to take like the whatever is in the zeitgeist and kind of respond to it. But I feel like when there's downtime, it's the best time to kind of just like what is on your mind that's been bothering you and try to figure out what's bothering you. So I ask myself why a lot when I try to write a joke, I'm like, this makes me laugh. Why does it make me laugh? Why does this make me laugh? And so I try to get in touch with my sense of humor and just in, in doing that, I create jokes. And I think when I'm out traveling and touring, which I do every now and then, I'm not really creating jokes. I'm just performing stand-up. You know, I'm creating a joke sometimes on stage. And and yeah, you know, a joke that I started on Friday will get better by Sunday. And that's true. And that's why it's good to travel. But I can't really create unless I'm, like, left alone for a while and had time to think about things.
0: Do you identify as an introvert?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I said, you know, it's like it's you know, what sucks is that like introvert has become such a loaded term. And because right. uh, and, and so, I, you know, I was in therapy once and and uh, like years ago and she and I love that she broke it down. Like she said that it, an introvert is basically all it means is that you uh, get recharged when you're. Uh, by yourself totally an extra extrover- an extrovert they get recharged with around other people and people that's have taken why this- i was asking
0: it, like a, yeah. it's, i'm talking about the batteries definition not the like yeah. uh nerds or or jocks definition. yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. and that's but yeah, for I'm, me, absolutely I, I thought for a long time that i was an introvert actually because i um i you know i think it's actually social anxiety sometimes especially around people that i feel like Um, I don't totally know how to deal with like mean people and a lot of people are mean. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and I think I was experiencing social anxiety that I thought was introversion, but I'm like such an extrovert. It's wild. That's why when you were like eight months, like I would, I would like die, but it's because (laughs) I don't have a, I don't like have an internal battery. I do, I guess. But like yeah. being alone, I need, so, I need alone time, like a person, like I'm a, I'm an, I'm not a robot, I'm a human being just, but um, I have to be around people. And sometimes even like passively around people, like it doesn't have to be deep conversations with the world, but like going and. Um,
1: but you like to sit at dinner and there's a bunch of people around you, but you're not talking to them, Great, right?
0: Or like go to run, go for a run in a place sure. where other people are going for a run. Gotcha. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. and we're all just like separately going for a run.
1: <laughs> yeah. And well, that I, makes I mean, it,
0: me feel really good.
1: It turns out a lot of people are extroverts as I I learned that during um and I you know and I'm sorry to I'm not saying this to uh gloat specifically against you but I yeah, mean, roast me. when the when, when no when the pandemic happened and all these extroverts my whole life were like come on Robin you're too afraid to leave the house you can't leave that and now the Pandemic started, and I was like, "Oh, are you afraid to stay home with your thoughts for five seconds?" You totally, know, like now, yes. so, now, so now it's like, "Oh no, now yes. he's laughing, right?" So, but but you know, thing about the, the you know, I, I do get annoyed by the introvert discourse because it's been taken off. Because when I, when I tell people I'm an introvert, it's the way you and I were talking about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, some people are either uh, uh, they they try to like go. I'm an introvert because I'm brilliant and I'm smart. I'm I'm not saying any of that stuff. It's like literally an energy thing. And so like, I don't hate extroverts. And so here's what I realized recently. Like, I'm a big professional wrestling fan and I've been to a few events and they were amazing to be there. I've saw I've seen some great moments, you know, live. And then I was like, I think I prefer watching this at home because like it takes so much out of me. There's so much. There's too many people. I get overstimulated. I got to like go home and take a nap right afterwards. I like watching wrestling at home because I like watching extroverts get happy. Like, I actually like I actually like extroverts. And so when I'm at home and I'm watching extroverts get happy, <laughs> I feel like I'm there with them in spirit. So I don't hate extroverts. I just am not one. So I don't have this whole, like, I'm oh, better than you because you're an extrovert and I'm sweet. an introvert. Um, And and so people, you know, people mistaken it for, like, being antisocial, you know, because, like, after shows, I like to kind of say hi to a few people. And, and, and you know, I, I try to give people, like, uh, I don't want them to feel ignored, but I always make it clear, like, I need to go back to my hotel and have silence for an hour. I need to process the night. I need to be by myself. And I think, um, people either think I'm being rude or, or standoffish or they think, oh, that's so sad. She can't go out. And she, I'm like, no, my favorite part of the night, you know, besides the stage time is to lay down and think about what just happened. And smile and go, wow, that was cool. It's a cool life I have. And, you know, and, and to just like really um, celebrate myself a little bit by myself.
0: So this all makes everything that you were originally talking about, about like being in a cohort or not being in a cohort makes so much more sense also. Because. Yeah, yeah. If there's a group of people that and and I don't think like a throng of comics is always the most energizing sphere, even for me, because it's like pretty exhausting <laughs> to yeah, people right. like I just yeah like, yeah yeah that's not the vibe maybe that makes me feel recharged but like I I understand um what you're talking about even more and I'm and I'm curious I guess I'm curious about when you're talking about touring and things like that like that stuff is really hard on me like it kind of makes me want to die because I feel I mean maybe it's like Maybe my channels are too open or something, but, like, I have a very hard time on the road. But I but I do it. But I, I try to, like, give myself some packaging to make sure what, what, that I'm, the, like, a little the, insulated. What's
1: the, yeah, what's difficult mm, uh, to you about
0: uh, it? Like, I hate being on airplanes
1: because I'm yeah, very, like,
0: sound sensitive and I'm very yeah. other people sensitive. Um, and so I feel like I get off an airplane and I'm, like, totally destroyed. And then... Um, I like walking around new cities. That's one of my favorite things to do. So like I'll use that maybe to balance that out a little bit. But um, the output of stand-up is what you're talking about. Very exhausting for me too. And then recharging by talking to like a line of people who want to meet me isn't really a recharging experience because it's, (laughs) it's like more of the same. It's like a, it's, it's more of a similar hit. It like it, it doesn't do the thing. So I just end up feeling like pretty, um, like I think I'm an extrovert and I end up feeling pretty nuts on the road. So when you're talking about your experience, I'm like, I can't even imagine (laughs) what that would be because I already find that almost intolerable. And I'm curious about how it is for you.
1: It's, uh, it's really hard. I, you know, um, So, you know, I did I did Just for Laughs um, last year. I got in Just for Laughs. So here's a full circle story real quick is I moved to L.A. originally because I got a Just for Laughs audition. I killed my first audition. I had my second audition and I was in Orange County and my show was in L.A. And there was two accidents on the way Took three hours to get to Los Angeles. And I kind of I didn't bomb my second audition, but I was hungry. I hadn't had dinner. I blew my second audition. I just wanted to get into, J, to, into JFL. And that's when I realized we need to move to LA to get me into JFL, right? So, you know, the pandemic happens. JFL is canceled one year. And then, you know, uh, I get my vac- You know, I get my vaccination. And then they're like, I get an email. Hey, they want you to audition for JFL in two weeks. And I'm like, oh, I can't say no because I just I got my vaccination in 14 days, right? I, I kind of don't want to do it. I hadn't been d- doing stand-up comedy for a year and a half. And then I... I'm like, I'm not gonna make it because I haven't done comedy for a year and a half, right? I mean, what's so I I do my set and it kills, and I'm like, wow, I'm actually better after taking a year and a half off. I, this is the opposite of everything I've ever heard, and so that you know, so like last year, uh, Just for Laughs was in Los Angeles instead of Canada, so it was 15 minutes away from my house. So the reason I moved to LA, right, it was. It turns out, like, I remember me and my uh, fiance were like, wow, it all worked out. Like it's like it's crazy. So anyway. I kill up my my just fast audition. And then all of a sudden the next day I'm getting phone calls. I've never gotten like more opportunities in like a weekend. And I, then I did in like nine years, you know, I'm like CW network and, and I'm getting like Netflix, Sirius XM and all this stuff. And, and, and auditioning for a show. I, I don't, I don't think I'm signed a contract. I can't talk shit about it, but I, you know, I, I'm all of a sudden I'm flying places I'm getting on TV and I don't even have time to process How exhausting and horrified I am! I just have to do it, and so for from August to September, I go to Texas for Moon Tower Comedy Festival. I'm doing all these shows in LA. I'm traveling all over the place, and I go to San Francisco in October and everything. And so, you know, for two or three months, I was doing it all, and then I had a break, and I was like, "Holy shit! I am so tired. I don't even know. I've never been this tired before in my life." I can't go outside for like two months. Like I I was so, it just, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the time that I usually give myself after a shows. Like if I do a show, I like to give myself two or three days after just to recharge. And yeah, so that was really hard. And then all of a sudden, you know, I get agents back in November or December of last year. And, uh and I'm excited because they're like, okay, we're, we book you a tour. You know, you're going to be in a bell house in New York in January and all this stuff. And then Omicron hits and, I hadn't gone on stage since like mid, you know, late October Omicron hits and they're like, oh, all your shows got canceled till March. And I was like, oh, no, I had to (laughs) feign that I'm sad. (laughs) So I took five months off. I took five months off. And then the first time I leave my house in five months was in March to fly to Indiana. So I go from not leaving my house to flying to a red state with a blue dot in it. And then I start my tour. And now I'm in Indiana for... That weekend, my first headlining shows in Indiana, and then I go to Washington D.C. and two weeks later, I go to you know um, New York and Minnesota, and I'm going on these. Stories. And again, my brain is like, I don't have time to think about how scary this all is. You know, it, it's always like after I'm done doing all that stuff. Yeah, it's really hard. It's like I I don't like being um, I just don't like being away from home too much. Like I I get homesick. And, um, the only parts I like about these trips is the actual stage time. And, uh, you know, it, it like, I just, I only started headlining this year and, uh, we, you know, what's been great is that I can now do hour long sets and they feel effortless and I, I, that wouldn't have happened until I got to tours this year. So, you know, it's like. I'm doing my least favorite thing, which is traveling to do my favorite thing, which is performing on stage. And I think that's kind of if I don't conceptualize it that way, then I go insane because whenever there's like a date on my calendar, like let's say hypothetically, let's say in a week I have to fly to Minnesota in the next six days. I'll just be in bed somehow wishing maybe like if I wish it hard enough, something will happen where it'll get canceled and I won't have to fly. And that's kind of like I spend a lot of my time just my body shuts down just even thinking about traveling. So I have to always fight against that. Um, the 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 thing is that the actual stage time is very easy for me. I think that's the trade-off. And, I, and I, I'm sorry if that sounds like I'm bragging, but it's, stand-up is very easy to me now because I've worked my whole life to make it easy. But everything else surrounding it is very hard for me.
0: Well, I mean, I have a couple questions like, number one, sure. financially, how do you how can you make it work? Taking five months <laughs> off is a fo- is just like a baseline question. But another well, <laughs> question is
1: sure.
0: about making it work in a relationship as being somebody who has such specific needs. And, you know, we all have specific needs, but I think a lot of times. People don't know what there are, you know, and here you are in this podcast. Like, we just met each other, and you're articulating so clearly, like, this is what I need to function. And that's, like, a lot to bring to a relationship, that level of self-knowledge. I think sometimes, like, um, I don't know, if, uh, for me anyway, I can overcompromise and then kind of catch up with myself later. But I'm, these, are some, these are some curiosities I have. One is, sure how the fuck can you make it work financially? And the, the okay. second one is, just about, like, how that works in your relationship.
1: Well um the both answers have to do with my uh, my fiance Kate. She's um she gave me the best advice I've gotten in my life uh, a few years ago. She said she, she you know she has a real job and she kind of has helped us financially um you know helped me financially uh, specifically for years now. You know we've been going out for 10 years now and she always saw something in me. You know she's a comedian too. She saw something in me. Anyway, so a couple of years ago she said to me, "She goes, um, your full time job is not a comedian. Your full time job is your mental health. If you take care of your mental health, uh, you will do comedy for the rest of your life. So whenever I feel like, am I being lazy right now? Am I doing this? Am I doing this wrong? I just think like, no, she's right. If I don't do these things for myself, I will burn out. She's actually the one that wants me to rest because she is no, she's known me for so long. She likes, she likes that I'm relaxing because she." um, is a bit of an introvert herself, not as much as I am, but she is also okay with staying in for a while. So she understands that I, if I'm flying, I'm I'm exhausted afterwards. And she like kind of caters to that. And so, you know, she was, you know, she's been my main um, financial support, but what I, so in the beginning of the pandemic, right? March of 2020, I'm not making money doing comedy anymore. So I just tried to make unrelentingly funny content, memes, videos, non-stop. Like, it's all, all I did all day. And I like doing it. I'm, like, addicted to just creating stuff that makes me laugh and hoping other people will laugh. And then so once a month, I would just kind of go online and I'd be like, look, I don't have a Patreon, I don't have anything, but if you would like to donate uh, so that I can just keep doing this for free for you guys, here's an optional, here's my Venmo, here's whatever. And for two years, every month, I would get enough donations for me to not have to do stand-up and 2020 uh was it yeah i think 2020 uh, up until the past couple of years was my most financially successful year of comedy without doing any comedy i made more money just being at home online making funny stuff than i ever did just uh, touring and now that i actually have real gigs and stuff and i'm actually getting paid and i'm getting on letterman and stuff now i'm actually getting real money doing stand up but i mean that's how i that's how i did it it's, i was like i have a fan base and they like me and they want to support me. And they know that it's harder for someone like me to get ahead. So it was like all of us, you know, and I, I have this dream. I don't know if I'll ever get to do it. Is I I want to make so much money one day that I can pay back everyone who ever donated to me. You know, that's kind of my, my hope. And I, I don't really see it as like I, I always saw my success as like our success, as in the people that knew me before I blew up. I, I have a relationship with them because they followed me. For years on social media like i've been putting my life online since 2003 it's just that no one really gave a shit until 20, 2019 or so you know so i'm like used to that and so some people have been following my journey so that's how i made money is is that i just kind of saw it as our money we're all helping each other out
0: wow that's amazing and then how how did you and did you and kate meet through comedy we met
1: through we we met through stand-up we used to have a we actually used to have a show together called The Unconventional Lesbians, which was um, about like, you know, we, we each would do stand up. And then we uh, at the end of the show, both of us went on stage and we just kind of told a funny story about our relationship. And um, yeah we met at an open mic. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's like a long story. But yeah, we met at an open mic and I kind of it was one of those open mics that you can give feedback, you know, afterwards and I think I said something like, wow, you're like the most self-aware 19 year old I've ever seen in my life. And she's like, well, you know, she was like, well, I'm like 29 now. So, you know, thank you for that. That was like my first impression of her. And then we would flirt. You know, we used to like flirt. Like uh, I'd be on stage and I would flirt with her in the audience and she'd be on stage. She would flirt with me in the audience. And then I I wouldn't really flirt with her in real life because I, I was too scared. But yeah, that was just kind of like how it was. And uh she um she was always my biggest um my biggest fan and my biggest um, supporter, so that 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 really helped i mean i did I did stand up as Robert Tran for three years and then Robin Tran for the rest of it. so
0: yeah, talk to me about that that um was it difficult to make the decision to in the public facing part of your life talk to people about what's oh. going on?
1: Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I had this. I had the realization that, um, you know, people always ask me, like, did you always know? And it's like, it's such a weird, um, it's like I appreciate the question, but it's it's so hard to explain. Like, I oh, I always knew, and then I suppressed it, so I didn't know, and then I knew. You know, that's kind of how I kind of being trans and everything. Like, I was kind of just in my car, and like. it kind of just hit me one day you know with a combination of just kind of like feeling better and listening to like a girly song and singing it out loud without um turning the volume down and singing it quietly and then kind of like my whole life like flashing before my eyes you know and i'm going oh shit, i'm a woman oh my god what does this mean like you know and it kind of get everything clicked my whole life made sense in that moment now i have to clock back into work like you know i'm crying in my co- now like my second half of my shift i'm like i'm a woman i am what's you know what 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 job
0: were you in working <laughs>
1: I was working at this like car dealership, like doing data entry.
0: Oh I'm my coming, god!
1: I come back to work. I have t- I have tears in my eyes, and it was kind of slow. So I would just be on Facebook and I, you know, I messaged Kate and I was like, "Hey, I'm a woman. I love you. I don't know, you know. Sorry if you know this. I don't. I, I forgot what I said, but she was very supportive. So I told her. I told like one or two. You were already people. you
0: were already dating for several years at this yeah. point. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, We We were dating. Facebook at work.
1: I, that is like I, I messaged her at s- Facebook. Very yeah.
0: Very sweet.
1: Yeah, she she said, um, we talked about this on our unconventional lesbian show. She's like, Yeah, no more work got done that day for me. Like it's kinda like right. I kind of interrupted her work day to be like, Well, I guess my partner's a woman now. And um, but then I went on Facebook and I just wrote a po- I, I would write every it was like during the time when I would just write every feeling I had on Facebook. So I just went on Facebook and I was like, I don't know what this means yet. This is not a joke. Uh, I wanna know I am a woman. You can, you can keep calling me he, he, him for a while and Robert until I figure it out. Um, but I just want, and then I got like, I got a bunch of likes on it. People were like, we're supportive. Um, that's an unfortunate last name you have. Um, a lot of, oh, it's Robin Tran. Isn't that Robert Tran? Isn't that funny? And <laughs> that then, is you know, so, it's, people... <laughs>
0: it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's one of is, my first, I know. That is so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Um, and, and then, uh, one of the reasons I went on Facebook to tell everyone was because I I didn't want people to I did not want my guy friends to be surprised that I show up to an open mic one day and I have like a skirt and fucking like pink they're like what are you doing what are you wearing this for you know I'm like I'm trans please don't be mad at me Um, but yeah I I, I had an open mic that night and I did I went on stage and I said hey guys this is not a joke I'm a woman I just had to get that off my chest I don't look like one yet Don't worry about it but uh you guys should know anyway and then i just continued my material like nothing had happened (laughs) people were like wait what the fuck and then and then so yeah i just kind of uh i i um i i was kind of scared at first uh when i came out because i was like i I was so funny as robert you know it's kind of this aggressive little almost like this Edge lord, but sweet, but incel. Oh my god, not, I haven't you know, heard like I was, anybody. I, I have heard, so, heard
0: anybody use the word edge lord in such a long time. Yeah, I was like a little, anyway, just a little edgy
1: edge lord. Yeah, um, very edgelord, lord little little guy. And uh, um, but I started writing jokes about it pretty much immediately, and there weren't really, you know, I felt like I don't really write like trans jokes. I kind of write about my feelings about things and my responses to other people's reactions to me so they are jokes about my life which happens to be trans and i think i came up with like 15 new minutes in like a week or so and i come just like really prolific and i was getting more laughs than i had gotten and one of the reasons is because i it made me slow down you know like i i couldn't make eye contact with anyone before i came out as trans and i never i never knew why and i think it was like I was afraid that if they looked into my eyes, they would see something about me. But I didn't really know what that thing they would be seeing even was. I, but it was like I was hiding something. And so I didn't have to overcompensate it anymore. I didn't have to yell. I didn't have to scream. It was more self-spoken. I was calmer. And I was more in tune with my emotions and my feelings. And I think I just kind of got more confident on stage. And my, my comedy ne- was never better. But then I stopped getting booked at some of the venues in Orange County because I was trans and they would never admit it, you know, it's 2015. Caitlyn Jenner had just come out. So it wasn't like, it, you know, it wasn't as accepting as it is now, you know, even with all the hate going on now, I'm I mean, maybe this is a controversial thing to say. I think it was worse seven years ago, just for me personally. But um, yeah, I, I stopped getting booked at some of, of, of the venues um, and I was like, what am I going to even do? Like, I'm not getting booked anywhere anymore. So I, that was when I started doing a roast battle. You know, I'm like known as because I'm like, well, there was a lot of judges at roast battle who were like celebrities, and I've always wanted to be a a roaster. I I mean, I was into roasting as a kid. Um, it was like kind of one of the reasons I wanted to get into comedy. So why don't I just become the first transgender roast battler? That'll like because they have to put you up, you know. And I just I got addicted to the roast battle because I was so good at it, and then that was when I started getting on. Comedy Central and all this other stuff because I of the strength of my roast battles. Um, so I had to just find a different way in after <laughs> my Orange County hometown shut me out for a while.
0: That's interesting. I mean, it also almost feels like... It almost feels like a... I mean, you have to have the right kind of personality, but it almost feels like it would be... There'd be a benefit, I guess, in doing something like roasting when your opponent when you're like from a marginalized community I just I just think about like I've what, how many times have I been in a roast like probably twice but it just was like <laughs> oh they're going to like call me a lesbian like
1: yeah cool right.
0: like i just mean like, right. like it's right. you know the the um the like breadth of insult was pretty people were pretty uncreative because they were like, well, here's the here's what it's going to be. I guess what I'm saying is having like an on the nose thing was actually kind of helpful because it just means like, you know what what they're going to say. Oh, so you're going to you're going to mention that I
1: I mean, I mean, the the jokes that were not about that were what took me by surprise. And those did hurt my feelings. Yes. Uh, exactly uh, Right.
0: Sure. (laughs) Yes. 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 Like
1: like like, I remember like uh, when my friend Connor was like, um Robin is uh, pre-op for liposuction. I was like, oh, I didn't see a fat joke coming. And, like <laughs> there are <were laughs> jokes like that. Like, and, but um I look, I like love I always saw roasting as a form of affection and love. And I was very when I first signed up for my first roast battle, I was so terrified. I was very conflicted internally because I was like, Am I am I hurting my own community by doing this? Am I a traitor to The cause, am I walking into the den of the horrible cis men that cheer these horrible jokes? And the the way I made my own decision was like, Robin, what the fuck do you want to do? Forget the cause, forget other people, forget. What do you want to do? Do you want to roast people? Do you want to do this? Do you think it would be fun to see what happens? So I just kind of did it for myself. And I was only going to do it once. And the first joke I told... The audience is kind of erupting. I was like, "That was the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in in comedy," and and so I kind of got addicted to that. And in in a way, I felt more accepted that night. I feel like there was so much tension around trans jokes during that time, and and I always felt like right, and I still feel this way. I I feel like I'm not in any kind of um, specific uh, side of the culture war because, um. I believe that people should tell trans jokes. But I think that a lot of the people who do tell trans jokes are not telling jokes. They're telling unfunny monologue TED Talks about how horrible trans people are. And so it makes the people who should be telling trans jokes too scared to tell any trans jokes. And so now the only people talking about trans people are transphobes and me, you know, really. I'm just kidding. but Uh um, but, No, I mean, Robin, I
0: I don't actually... I'm just going to say that I don't actually know any comics that disagree with you. I mean, at least least that's my understanding is like, I think that it's a false premise that certain topics shouldn't be, um, that should be like categorically dismissed. And I think it's a, I think it's actually intellectual dishonesty coming from folks who just want to defend lazy laziness or who just want to defend like what you're talking about, um, opinions like that's not even yes, it's just yes. like, you're just stating an opinion yeah right and right, right. you're getting a reaction because you're surprising people yeah so you have internalized that surprise as a laugh right but you're just you're just knocking people on their heels they're they're and- getting
1: they're doing what they got mad at hannah gatsby for doing basically you know yes. except she except she was doing a, a dramatic thing and they were doing yes. a dramatic thing too but because they're angry it it's, doesn't count as Nanette for some reason, but
0: also hers is about herself. That's <laughs> right. I think the other thing that is always that is always true, right? It's like because I've gotten that criticism too, like that that I you know am more like oh you tell stories or something like, like the but it's like yeah but at least I'm fucking talking about my own life like <laughs> right. you're getting up there you're just talking about an opinion about someone you don't even know yeah. and it, and then and then it's just anyway that I will say that drives me nuts because. Something I think you and I have in common is is like an uh, interest in sort of like the science around comedy I think you know the the breaking it down is really cool and and I I love to think about the like nuts and bolts of of the thing as opposed to just the giggles like I think it's I think it's pretty interesting in terms of um like sociologically interesting I think yeah, yeah, stand up yeah. is very sociologically interesting So anyway anybody that's like Bringing that bullshit around here, like, like, just the the Dave Chappelle stuff is like, in my mind, it's not even worth. I've literally, <laughs> not, I can't even believe I just said his name. I don't even think I've ever said his name on the podcast because I just think it's like <laughs> he's. I just it feels so unworth an actual debate. There has to be somebody presenting.
1: The thing is, is that you know when he was doing all that stuff, I had this idea. I'm like, you know, he's debating. You know, he's doing it. I'm team. I'm doing all this stuff. And I figured, like, why don't I just like have a funny trolling response? Like, why don't I why don't I become why don't I become what Dave Chappelle was in 2003 about white people? But I'm doing it back to Dave Chappelle. As someone who's making fun of trans people in a not funny way, I won't even I won't debate points with him. I won't do anything. I'll totally. just I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit the microphone on my knee and run around the stage, and and make fun of how boring it, the whole thing was. And and like it was one of my favorite sets. I like I I didn't mean to, but it was like his special. I just come out and I just I, I started hitting the microphone on my knee and running around. I just got these big. I'm like leaning on the stool and like yeah yeah put pussy fought it on me you know and i started just doing like this stuff and i was like and and it's like for me it's like every time he gives a speech i am going to give a funny response and then i'm going to make all those people who loved who hated all of the uh the the quote unquote the gay alt comics you know now they're going to be the ones that are saying to me like well, comedy is not all about laughs. Comedy sometimes is about... I'm like, oh, so now... Oh, isn't that funny that you hated everyone for years? And now you're telling me that comedy doesn't have to always be funny? How fucking dare you say that to my face? You know, like... And so anyway, that's... It's like... um, Kate is very good at this, too. She goes, "You, you, if you're messing with people, make sure you're funny. Because sometimes, like, you know, I'll get too mad. It's like, okay, well, this is not funny anymore. Now I'm doing... uh, discourse instead of jokes so i I always try to be aware of that
0: well robin you are very interesting and i have loved talking to you and i've loved
1: talking to you too did we get through anything i feel like i just kind of monologued my way through this uh did you have notes or anything
0: no i was thinking as as we were talking i was thinking about um you know, the kinds of conversations that I often have on this show and how different this was, because I think there's a lot of stuff that you covered. Look, the people who listen to this are people who are looking for queer community in a podcast, which, by the way, sometimes that's me, you know, like sometimes I'm that person, like I travel on the road and I listen to like, if I find an audiobook that's read by somebody that has a beautiful voice, I'll, like, listen to it again and again because it feels like company. So, anyway, right. what I'm saying is if you're the kind of person who wants to listen to people talk for community, like, maybe you're the kind of person who is more of an introvert than an extrovert. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, but I know that I hear from a lot of people who are, like, not connected to a larger community because of where they live or because of their job. And so they, have like, find this podcast to listen to. So this is a very, very long way of saying, I think some of the things that you specifically discussed might speak to people in a, in a way that I haven't had a ton of people talk about those things.
1: I will say that there is almost like an effort of me to be low effort in my appearance and not changing my email from Robert Tran and all this stuff. Cause I, I think, I think if I were a kid, what would I need to see to make me feel comfortable? And I think I would be intimidated if I saw a gorgeous trans woman who said all the right things. And, and that would freak me out. So I, I was like, I'm going to be a shitty, sloppy, lazy uh, trans woman because women are allowed to be shitty, lazy, whatever. And, you know, it worked. And I had a, I've had a few dozen people message me and tell me I came out as trans because of you because I didn't realize that you can still... Curse and do rose battle and watch wrestling and be trans because everywhere you see it's about you know how pretty they are or about how oppressed they are. And it's not really a lot of other, you know, maybe that's a horror. I mean, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying a lot. If you go on Twitter, if I were a kid and I was on Twitter, I would be terrified. I'm like, so everything just sucks and everyone else is prettier than me. So I, <laughs> I do try to like, so right. I do, so I do try to like lower the standards of, of, you can be mediocre and it's fine, you know. That's that's kind of what I,
0: <laughs> I. I think that's a huge thing. I mean, I will say, you know, Robin, I absolutely because then the paradigm that that sets up is that like the best thing a person could could be is a trans person who can pass as cis, right? Like that—that's the best yeah. type of trans person, and then also who can pass as cis and be like and be the cream of the crop right it's like so it's like you have to be the hottest fucking person to be able to live your life authentically so i, I yeah. you know i see i see what you're saying and i and i do think it's fucking cool
1: that no no ho- n- uh, no hormones no surgery didn't change any legal name email <laughs> i'm the laziest laziest <laughs> in the world
0: <laughs> um i hope i get to meet you someday
1: I hope I get to meet you, too. I feel like we didn't even really... We kind of just scratched the surface, really. So I'd love to talk to you longer sometime.
0: Yeah, there's more. There's more to say. Um, In the meantime, before that, I wanted to ask if you would um, shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today. So, like, was there anybody that was your Robin Tran?
1: Oh. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean... I you know I guess you know Margaret Cho is one of the reasons I got into into stand up when I was younger. I you saw like an Asian woman be funny and I didn't like, I didn't even know uh, Asian women were allowed on television you know and right. so <laughs> and um, I don't know I mean that's that's a, a queer I I mean that's hard I I you know I was listening to a Jenny Lewis song from Ryley mm-hmm. Kylie. I mean Ryley Kylie was like another and I I think she's straight but I mean the song really spoke to me. I don't know I I know this is gonna sound really corny but I try to be my own hero you know and I I encourage people to be your own hero because your heroes will always disappoint you in some way if you put everything you know like if they're gonna act imperfect on some level and you're either gonna have to not like them anymore or you're going to defend horrible things they do so I think instead of putting yourself in that position think about what you needed as a kid and um and just be that person, you know, be that person that you would look up to and be the person that you're proud of. And, and yeah, and just like know that you're stronger than you realize. And, uh, and despite everything horrible happening in the world, you can get through it. So, I think that's what I would say.
0: I got nothing to add
1: to
0: <laughs> that. You destroy it. <laughs>